0: Let's do it. Uh, welcome, everyone, to episode 180 of the Gale and Trombley Show. Um, I'm really excited for this guest. I, I, We both walked in and said, I think I know you. I think I know you, but I don't like, not, not well enough besides maybe face. But um, so you were actually, um, what's a recommendation? I had, um, well, I was, I'll, I'll, I'll shout her out. So we had Whitney. Uh, canalis that was going to be on the show and Whitney uh, you know kind of in the world that we're in was unable to make it through for uh, you know the uh, pandemic purposes so she um, and, and I hope she comes on she will be on we'll get her at some point I had Jimmy on and Jimmy was fantastic and Whitney's great but Whitney told me that you were one of the most interesting pers- people that she knows and that is coming from someone that I think is one of the most well, interesting people I know. Listen, so Listen, so.
1: I, I'll I, give honor where honor is due. Uh, Whitney is our, hands down one of the most amazing people I've ever met. Her and uh, um, Jimmy, they're um, absolutely amazing people. Just a credit to... Uh, Plattsburgh in general, and they're—I'll be honest—they're the reason why Plattsburgh is home for me. They—they um, they are just some of the most loving, kind, caring, selfless people I've had the privilege of ever meeting. So they're phenomenal. Y-
0: yes, and I—I I, uh, so when when Whitney had told me that, and she kind of was. <laughs> Typical Whitney, she was like rattling off messages <laughs> to me saying, like, I can't be there, but boom, 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 boom. And obviously, that's, I think, Whitney to a T. It's like, I can't do it, but here's like the whole itinerary of like, I got you covered, like, I'll hook you up. So, um, and we we're supposed to do this. I had to cancel on you because of sickness a couple of weeks ago. And so I'm glad you're here, but again, you being described as the most interesting person Whitney knows made me kind of perk my ears up and said, I got to meet this lady. So this is uh, – I'm excited to have you here. Um, so Francine Francis, you are mental health counselor at the State University of New York at Plattsburgh. Go Cards. And that's about as much as I know about you. All right. And I'm excited to learn because you came in here – Full of energy, and I, when you get energy, I get energy, and I think this is going to be a fun podcast. So Francine, yeah, Fran, for, for anybody that does not know you, give us a rundown. Who are you? All
1: right. So my name is Francine Francis. I am originally from uh, Jamaica, the country, not Jamaica, uh, Queens, okay. um, but I did come to the States uh, when I was about eight years old, and I've been here ever since. Um, I've been here now in Plattsburgh for legitimately all of my 20s. Um, <laughs> and which, which is long or no? Which is, uh, you know it is uh, it's enough. quite it's en- it's enough, enough. Okay. Right. <laughs> it's been enough but um i'm I'm settled here i love it I love the uh people here I love being here um so i I got my bachelor's in biology and uh minored in chemistry at SUNY Plattsburgh and then took a took a little bit of time off came back and did my uh master's in clinical mental health counseling, but have been in actively in, engaged with the student community for as long as I've been here so
0: Now, when you came from Jamaica to the States, where did you live?
1: Oh, I lived in the city. Oh, you were uh, in a city. Yeah, okay. so I was in. So I I said not Jamaica Queens, but I really did live in Queens for a little bit. Okay, okay. that was the truth. Okay, so um, and the train that I took ran straight through Jamaica. So I was so I random story. When I first came to the states, like when my mom said, "Hey, we're going to Jamaica," I was like, "Oh, plane ride back." It was Jamaica Queens, but I didn't know any better. Um, That's cute. <laughs> so um, here we are. You know, uh, we I I ended up in. I lived in queens for a little bit in roosevelt queens and then i moved to uh spanish harlem and uh stayed in el barrio for a little bit and then transitioned out into uh, the upper west side
0: you speak spanish uh no oh well well you roll that really good okay
1: (laughs) i dabble i dabble i can hold my own conversationally for a little bit but
0: jamaica's english Mm-hmm. Right, so you grew up in an English-speaking yeah. country. Yeah, okay. So, um, and then what brought you to? Pl- I mean, obviously college, but I'm always curious. We get a lot of kids from the from the city that yeah. come up. Um, how? How did you get introduced to Plattsburgh, and what was the draw, the draw to get you five, five and a half hours north of the city? Well, distance Into helps. the cold.
1: <laughs> I didn't know but about co- the cold. cold. When I, okay, okay. I, that's how they got me. Keep, Recru- that off, keep that off when, that sheet, yeah. When I came to Plattsburgh, I had no idea about the cold. <laughs> I didn't even know Plattsburgh was a place. <laughs> so every time I'd like, I hadn't even like. I kid you not. I looked, I did not look at Plattsburgh at all because I was dead set on going to Binghamton. Um, okay. Okay. And so, what ended up happening was I, I professed myself, I profess as a woman of faith. So, mm-hmm. that is how I ended up at Plattsburgh. Um, I had a dream about it actually. Hadn't ever looked at Plattsburgh, didn't wow. Google it, didn't do because I got. Had you heard of Plattsburgh? Not even stream? a little bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> like e- the town
0: of, or city of Plattsburgh just popped into your head somehow.
1: It, I, no, like, no, didn't look at it. I kid you not. I The only reason I knew about Plattsburgh is because at the SUNY, when you're applying for SUNY, you need a minimum amount of schools to submit the application. Gotcha. Okay randomly clicked it did not so it could have been Cortland. it it could have have been been buff state it it could have been oswego it could have been any other but here you know yeah um and then i was like okay i got into i found out i got into binghamton and i was like oh sweet it's gonna be great their biology program is fantastic so is the one here at plattsburgh so you know shout out the shout out the cards um (laughs) but i had a dream about it and i was like "Mm, lord if this really you we, you know, let some stuff work you out. You to buy me some gloves and hats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I kid you not, um, I was like, all right, let them waive the fee for me being able to get in to – to do orientation. And so they did. And I was like, okay, so I guess we're really going to Plattsburgh right now. Um, so I got on the, got on the, (laughs) got on the bus. There were more cows and people on the way up here. And I was like, where am I going? And then the bus ride just kept going. (laughs) And I was like, it's been six hours. Where am I going? And so, um, long story short, I ended up, uh, walking around with the tour guide for, uh, orientation and, Etched in concrete was the same symbol of Plattsburgh that I saw, um, which was, you know, right when you're at. uh, What is it? Uh, Broad Street um, on the fork right there. Yeah. Yep. So looking Um, at Keogh and looking at Myers. Yeah. Looking. And there's a there's a sign that said Plattsburgh um, closer to Ward in Hudson, actually. Yep. Okay. And it was the same one that I saw in my dream. And I was like, all right, this is it. Wow. And it's been. Nine years now going on nine years so I'm committed to staying that's crazy it's it's hot.
0: do you do you have um are you someone that visualizes a lot in life or dreams Some, or praise or tries to like draw out like the reason I say that is like I've visualization has come naturally yeah. to me like I, it's just something I I used to do it as a kid and like yeah. a kid I used to do it for sports like we kind of like play the game in your mind now yeah. I do it in business like conversations and might be an appointment, whatever it might be. Do you have that? Is it-
1: sometimes it's like, sometimes it's uh, playing chess in my head. Okay. Um, if I can describe it like that, um, we're looking in terms of visualizing what things look like down the road. I'm trying to think 10, 15 moves ahead um, so I can, so I can actually have an idea as to what, what to expect in some particular cases, but more often than not. It's kind of you. You're, you are asking. Am I a person that visualizes? Am my person that prays? And all prayer is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the most calming, intimate thing that I can do. It's my expression of uh, intimate conversation with a God that loves me. You know, um, and it's an entire it's an entire vibe, and it's not something you know. I'm. You're. you're we could be like, you know heavenly father lord on high and start rattling off the names of who he is he's 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 dope he's awesome but it's like god yo i'm really out here it's cold can it's cold and i'm in plattsburgh lord help me (laughs) you know and so sometimes prayer sounds something like that or it's hey god i I really don't know what move to make can you show me what to do and then it'll show
0: the uh well i think and again I'll, i'll go into your profession too but i think um one thing I've been fast, I, I've always been like a thinker of mm-hmm. of sorts. Like I, I, you know, I'm kind of one that, you know, might think stuff through. I've always been very analytical as a child and even now. And I think lately I've really tried to figure out stuff like more on like an internal level and kind yeah. of a thought process and kind of thinking things over and, and really trying to slow stuff down and kind of, you know, process like, yeah, what do you want in life? What do you like... What's important in life? Where's your priorities? What's yeah. your focus, and or what do you want to accomplish? And I think by doing all that, I uh, and and I want to say like people are different, and I think that like you said, if you're you're praying or you know, you believe in a, a higher power, like I do, I grew up going to um, a Catholic church. I got out of it when I was in college. I just, mm-hmm. I didn't find the connection to it. I was one of those kids that stared at like at the, yeah. at the, like the, I'd stare at the ceiling fan as they're giving the homily because I didn't <laughs> really internalize it. But I always felt, and I still feel to this day that there's something greater than just like us on earth. Yeah. And I, I, I think, and can I prove it? I personally can't say I've talked, you know, I've heard and seen stuff. Jimmy said, or Whitney said, and they're like, absolutely. I'm sure you can find points. And again, maybe, i i look at the, the times where you think it's like a sixth sense almost where like mm-hmm. oh my god like thank god that was something clued me in or made me feel a certain way to not step there or do that or go yeah. here and some people call it like a sixth sense or whatever but i i also think that like guardian angel like i think that that's a true thing um and i think throughout life as long as you ha- like you said if you pray I've certainly thought like positively, I've certainly thought of like, man, everything's just going to work out. And whether I'm like praying to a power or a person or whomever, I still think it's the idea of believing in something greater than, you know, like, I think everything happens for a reason. I truly believe like we were supposed to be here at this time, having this conversation. I've never met you. And for some reason, I think that
1: it works. Yeah.
0: Whoever you pass is meant to happen. And I, and I think that gives me a level of, um, like or if I run into a problem, then I'm in my head. I'm like that problem needed to happen to me at that point in time, and I just got to try to figure it out. And it's a, it's like a, it's a, it's like a, a challenge for me. It's a test. Like can yeah. you pass it? And can you get better from it? And I think that has allowed me. Uh, what's the word like a. Uh, Almost more at peace, like I can just accept things as they are and not get overwhelmed or not say like, "Oh, I'm like a victim of this." I'm like, "No, this is supposed to happen. Even if it's hard, it's supposed to happen." Like, okay, what's the what's the lesson?
1: Every challenge is an opportunity. Yeah, it, re- it really is.
0: So when you when you talk about, um, I'm gonna use the school coming up here because, like I said, is that like you visualized that you came up? Um, you think a lot of that was just you feeling some type of push in this direction, like that's the path I need to go on.
1: Oh, I I wouldn't even say it was a a feeling. It was, hey, you're supposed to be here. Um, what I find is that being misaligned puts you in a place where you're working harder than you're supposed to. Um, it doesn't yeah. mean that uh, being here hasn't been, hasn't had its challenges. Certainly being in Plathburg has certainly had its challenges, um, but it's a challenge that's made me love, learn to love more intentionally, more intently, and, um, and has, been one of the greatest blessings uh to me um in terms of the amount of people i'm able to meet in the in terms of being present for uh our students in terms of being able to actively make change real change in real time uh in the lives of people that i wouldn't have had the opportunity to otherwise meet it doesn't mean that you know hey if i had gone to binghamton or something like that um that it wouldn't have that life wouldn't have been good Mm -hmm. i just find that um the place of intentional divine alignment allows you to be in a place where you are able to flourish more the person that you need to become is begin to begins to become, uh, cultivated. And so right alignment means right. Opportunities means right. People means right meeting, which means, you know, destiny as far as I see it. If that makes sense. I bet
0: you're good at your job.
1: (laughs) Are you good at your job? i yeah, I do. I, I, I love it very much. I think,
0: um, having now known you for about 25 minutes, <laughs> I, uh, the one thing I can say is you are, your personality is infectious. Like you just, you, you're like, you're fun. You just, I know you're fun to be around. Like oh, already I'm like, you put a smile on my face and the one, two things I've noticed since you've walked in 20 minutes ago, you have complimented, I think every person in this office on something like generally complimented. And like you've just been, I think I've said a couple things like, "Oh my God, sorry it's cold." Sorry, I uh, I canceled on you because I was sick the other day, and you're just like, "It's all good."
1: It it really is. And just, like, you just like
0: you have not like you have not. I think like every you just have gotten more and more like let's call it cool. Like you've just been like very like thank you. Like I I don't know. You just you got a very we'll call it vibe, but you got a very good like aura about you. I can feel thank it. Thank you. Um. So that's what I'm saying. If you're dealing with young people i mean you're dealing with 18 19 20 21 22 year olds maybe 17 um especially with something like mental health which you know i think um everybody i think has mental health um good or bad in some points we're all human we all have brains we all think and yeah i've even um last 2021 i had some like rough times like not not like Total breakdowns, but a lot of anxiety and stress, and just like I, I feel like I'm just spinning out of control. And I've really tried to curtail that in the last like three, four months. Yeah. Um. So, kind, of, how did you go from biology to mental health counselor? <laughs> like kind of give us that story because I want to. I'm curious to see. Like I said, you as of right now, it's like I find that like some of the stuff you just kind of you're up and then boom, boom, boom. But you're like you're bouncing in the right way. Gotcha.
1: So I always had it in from the from. As young as I can remember, I want to say about six, five, six years old. I was gonna be a doctor. You couldn't have told me otherwise. I tell you what, shoot, I Doctor Ben Carson was the coolest dude <laughs> to me because here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. He he run for president. Um, he Is that this right guy I'm thinking of. Um, he was a part of uh, President Trump's administration. Okay, he um, was in her, politics. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he had had he had made history as being the first. Um, uh to separate Siamese uh Siamese twins that were conjoined uh, conjoined okay. head conjoined at the head um and his story was very much like like mine you know i was able to see myself uh and what i could attain um by his example uh i have my history is i have always had i'm very similar to you in that i see things analytically um chemistry makes sense to me biology makes sense to me i see things from a very micro level to macro and i have to understand the micro to see the macro mm-hmm. um and so and so it's easy sometimes for me to get hung up on the little things um when the big picture is beyond the little things mm-hmm. um but i I spent time at the uh, American Museum of Natural History. Um, They have this program called the Lang Science Foundation. Um, And so I spent legitimately every summer since I was uh, about 12 to 18 studying under some of the best scientists in the world, um, learning just the natural history of things, the natural uh, natural order of things and how things worked, how, you know, just learning and experiencing all that, that I could that I could get my hands on, and after doing that for about six years, I was like, okay, yeah, definitively gonna be a doctor. And then as I grew, it became, oh, okay, I'm more in, I'm more interested in neurology. Okay, so I might go to the neurology field. And then it became, oh, cardiothoracic, let's go. That's where it's at.
0: Okay, first off, cardio. I'm not as smart as you. <laughs> cardiothoracic is what? Uh,
1: essentially, heart chest. Heart chest. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I'm. I was like, oh, this is gonna be great. I love it. But here's the thing. When I got to SUNY Plattsburgh, I became a resident assistant, right? Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I was always considered the mom in my friend group. And I couldn't, I couldn't shake it. I would try to shirk it. But it always ended up, oh, Fran, can I talk to you? Um, and so that would end up happening. Like, uh, from every study group to, like, when people are panicking or whatever, they'll be like, Fran, can we talk? I'm like, <laughs> yo, let's go. All right? So... Um, that's how (laughs) (laughs) there was, um, that year my very first year of being an RA we used to do what's called rounds and that's where you would go you would check in on check in on the building make sure everything is fine and Galen I kid you not my days were Thursdays from 8 to mid from 8 p.m. to 7 a.m. I was on call Ooh. every Thursday night something would happen
0: oh yeah <laughs> that's prime time for college yeah <laughs> and
1: it, like I was I was sitting there I was talking to my boss I was like everything always seems to happen legitimately nothing else would happen in the building except for Thirsty Thursdays, you know? Um.
0: Well, you talk about bio. I went to Plattsburgh. I had bio on Friday. It was a massive lecture hall. Yep. And, uh, was it Keio? No. What's the communication building?
1: Uh, Yokum, no, Yokum,
0: yeah. So I'd have it Yokum, and the attendance rate on Fridays was substantially lower. <laughs> so sorry, I, that's why I, like, I believe what you Thirsty said. Thirsty Thursdays was a real it thing. Was, yeah.
1: And so I, I kid you not, um, I was the here was a defining moment for me. I was sitting down doing A and P homework. Right now, this was a uh, anatomy, and that's anatomy and physiology. And so I'm sitting down doing A and P homework, and it's online. You had to buy one of those access codes, and then it was questions one through six. Right, and it wasn't question one. Two, it was one a to e oh, and it, was they get due, you. Yeah. it was it was due at midnight, and it was about eleven o'clock and i 'm still working on question two and I was like oh we're gonna oh we just we're just struggling um, <laughs> <laughs> and i 'm making my way through, and then I hear a She's bleeding in the bathroom. And so oh. I'm like, I that's exactly what I did. Oh. <laughs> it was like, "Oh, not now, not now. I have to submit like to t- t- <laughs> fine right now." No. <laughs> <laughs> and um What ended up happening was uh, this particular student, um, they had uh, a bout with uh, suicide. So they had actually tried and I uh, unbeknownst to me at the time. And so rather than her friends taking her to, you know, the hospital or anything, um, they had she'd. Um, they had taken her, they came and knocked on my door. They were like, you were the first person that we thought of. I was like, okay, cool. And so I called paramedics wait, uh, waiting for university police to arrive, um, at this t- particular time because I was, a, I, I ended, up, ended up having like, gosh, she did for, uh, the record, it was a head injury, um, because of what she had attempted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had gauze and gloves in my, in my room. And so while she was sitting down and trying to make sure she still awake, um, had gauze on her head on uh, everything, but I multitasking after we made sure she was stable, called a five foot. Well, the only thing we could do was wait. So while we waited, was doing my homework because <laughs> you know, still yeah. a student. Um, and the officers came, asked me what happened, all of that. And so, wow. and then the significance of mental health became very much real for me that day. Um, and wow. every moment, every, op- every time that there was something that did happen um, ended up debriefing with students um, and ended up which ended up being me debriefing with my my boss and I realized that in my dream of wanting to put people together again um, I could do that as a doctor physically um, but they would still leave just as broken as when they entered and so my view then became I don't want to just put people back together again physically i want to help make them whole and wow um wholeness became the work and so you can inspire people to change their life physically if you can help them be attain wholeness uh intimately with themselves um and so my view kind of changed after that
0: wow wow that's heavy wow and you were obviously a, a young kid at the time. I say young kid, young person, <laughs> y- young adult. Like, I mean, you could have been more than, what, 20 years old?
1: Uh, I think I was about 22. I transferred in. I went to community college first before. Um, but still, I, I mean, that's, yeah. that's
0: jar. I mean, at any age, let alone being a young, like I said, someone young. And um, so, okay, wow. So, um, so at that point, you said you graduated, I mean, you, you were still on for a bio major at yeah. that point. And then how long after that incident did you decide to switch or or have the idea of like i'm going to start i'm going to get my masters in mental health
1: uh i'm uh, um, to be quite honest um i went to my boss and i was like i quit <laughs> my As boss an RA? yeah i okay. was like i was like i i i can't do this anymore i'm i'm going to quit and she was like friend you know that all of this is telling of what you're, you would make a fantastic counselor. And I was like, <laughs> miss me with that med school. Um, <laughs> but I'll give her, I'll give her a shout out Tanasia Betts. She was my director at the time. And she was like, Hey, you have all the skills necessary to be an excellent counselor. That's something that you should, you should really consider doing. And I was like, uh, okay. And, but the further on the semester went, the less and less my appeal for science became. And it's not because I wasn't interested in it anymore. It was more so because it, I, the draw that I felt, the fire that I felt, the push that I felt just wasn't there anymore. But the more I gravitated, the more I began to engage with the real lives of people, especially on the floor that I was with, the more it became, hey, no, maybe this is something I should do. Um, and so that's where the interest in mental health counseling began. But I was like, I kind of have a good community here. I don't really want to leave it. And so... I only applied to one school legitimately. Wow. I applied
0: Ap- so this was after your bachelor was mm-hmm. the only place you wanted to go back for your master's. Was yeah.
1: And so I was, and as here was my predicament, I was like, I can't afford it. Um, I would need to find somewhere to live and I need an acid. I do not want to accrue more debt. Um, and I prayed, I prayed about it. I said, Lord, if this is you and if this is where I'm supposed to be, then you're going to make it happen. And so what ended up happening was I only applied to Plattsburgh. Um, there was one position opening for a residence director. Everybody else was going to be returning. Um, and so I applied for, interviewed for it. Um, and there were several other candidates as well. And uh, with the uh, perk of the assistantship is that it pays for you. Um, it pays for you to attend mm-hmm. uh the school as well, um, but I said, "Lord, I, I there is legitimately no way I'm doing this with like without you, because uh, <laughs> what else am I going to do?" Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up getting into I ended up getting into uh, Plattsburgh State for grad school, but two minutes legit. I kid you not, Galen, it was exactly two minutes after I found out that I got into the school that I got the phone call um, that I got the assistantship as well. Um so wow. in under <laughs> in under two minutes I had both gotten into grad school and gotten um wow. the cool. director position. So uh it's it was this is one one of the things that I I'm I'll circle back to what I said earlier. If you are misaligned, you miss opportunities. Um and so I had no idea that grad school was gonna be a part of my story, but here we are.
0: And how was grad school for you man
1: it broke me <laughs> hard <laughs> not in the context of uh that the work was challenged the work itself was challenging yes i wrote my goodness, the papers were a real thing. Now now I'm very much a proponent of speech to text. I will gladly talk something out on Google Drive or on <laughs> Word and have it type for me and go in and correct it everything later. Um, but grad school broke me um, in the context of because I was going to be sitting in the real lives of people in their lived experiences, it, mean, it meant that the things that I was afraid to confront within my own self had to be addressed. Everything that I was running away from had to be addressed. And so uh, a lot of the work is digging and you you. Le- Professors know when you're not, when you, when it's not real. And so what happens is that everybody that starts out in the program don't necess- doesn't necessarily make it through the program because you actually have to show that you're putting in the work for it. And so in this self-exploration, it broke me down. Um, but it also helped build me back up as well. Um, there are areas that I was afraid to touch um, where you, as a, like ethically, you have to know what it feels like. So that when you're sitting down in front of a client saying, hey, this is hard, I get it, but we still got to do it because otherwise you just stay stagnant. And being able to sit down with somebody and be so real and so honest and so authentic with them and be like, hey, this is real. This is real. Like everything you're, you've seen, everything you've experienced, it makes sense. You've got patterns. We've identified them we have to break them but first that had to happen with me and the all of the discomfort that it came with made me makes me a better clinician honestly
0: wow and that was uh was that something that came to you naturally or was that just something you kind of a learned a learned skill throughout the the course and throughout from learning from professors or is this kind of a self-realization of like I got, I got to work on me a little bit.
1: Uh, it's, it was both. Um, I'm naturally a very intrinsic person. Um, I, I assess and analyze myself, uh, quite intentionally. Um, just to, just to, just to check some, it's easy to get lost sometimes, lost in the sauce sometimes, but just to check and make sure that, Hey, how are we doing? Are we firing on all cylinders? And so naturally I'm a very introspective person. Um, what that what the program does, it takes the, the skill set that you already have, and it teaches you how it teaches you how to wield the skill set ethically and appropriately um, and how to essentially uh, just hone in on what you know and then transfer and translate it into what's palatable, palatable or palpable for the person in front of you. So you and I are having a conversation right now, mm-hmm. um, but the art of conversing is a portion of uh, mental health. Because you're learning to talk to a person on a level in which they understand, so it curtails a little bit um, the the, the uh, natural skill set that we already have. As how uh,
0: how often do you do that internal check?
1: Probably every day. Yeah. Um, and that that there that check differs from you know over analyzing in one in one area and be like, hey, you know, I got like I'll I'll give an example. Let's say uh, a train's passing by, and I was like. Dang, I something in ter- internally like gets triggered by seeing a train. I'm like, "Huh? Why did that happen? How did that what was it about this that caused me to make to make me feel this way?" And then start unpacking that way and tracing back. I do a lot of trace back work internally to make sure that I if I see I see something that began, I confront it at the origin, not at the symptoms, if that makes sense.
0: Um wow so uh so what you just said i actually explained i had a podcast yesterday i was talking to a friend of mine and um similar to what you just said i i i kind of call it like my my decision making like pecking order kind of thing and and basically the idea is same thing if something bothered me or someone's mad at me or or there's a conflict or whatever my or is a problem my initial thought is never to point the finger at somebody. And luckily, I think, you know, when you kind of look at like, man, think, I almost call it like a superpower of myself because mm-hmm. I think it's something that like, I can't fly. It'd be cool if I could fly. But the idea, like I can <laughs> I can't, I, can, I do have like the wherewithal to say, you know, if you yelled at me or got mad at me, my initial thought wouldn't be, oh my God, like Franz is terrible person. Like in my head, I'd be like, did I? Did I miss something? Did yeah. I do something? Did I, am I missing something before I verbally say something to you or point at you or do something to you because now it's external. Yeah. Let me check my internal first and mm-hmm. say, did I do something wrong? Did I miss something? Did I, and then usually I kind of go through, that's quick. It's a pretty, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't take long. It's just kind of a, like an initial like, wait, let me like fully everything. Like my my entire brain goes like all hands on deck. Like figure this out. Like, uh I, I think we good. We good. Like it's almost like my yeah. body telling like, it back and forth and then in my head I'm like I, I, I don't think I'm missing anything and then my next my next thought is okay what could have happened to Fran that she would be upset at me or maybe she took it the wrong way or what you know did she just have a fight did she just have loss of a loved one did she just have a bad like something bad happened in her life where now the stress and anger is coming out on me mm-hmm. so this is like boom and this all happens very quickly and then my third one is okay I think I'm acting fine. I think I've said something right or correct or with good intent. Yeah. And then it's you, and then I'm like, I, I think she's fine. At least, or I don't know something yeah. that would be triggering her. So then it's like, okay, then it's hey, I'm so sorry. I what, what, like, can we talk this over? Like, can we yeah. get on the same page? And mostly, it's just miscommunication or mm-hmm. you took it wrong or I said it wrong, whatever. But that goes really, really quick. So the same thing, I audit myself very fast first and be like. Wait, Galen, Before you point the finger at her, should you point the finger at yourself? If you point the finger at yourself and you know you did something wrong, and that's fine. You, everybody has faults. Just admit you're wrong. Say Absolutely. so sorry. Auto correct. Make yourself better. On to the next thing.
1: Sorry is such a beautiful word. Like yeah. genuine, genuinely, so- yes. genuinely being very sorry is a, a beautiful thing. I, I, it's something that it's freeing. Be like, hey, I'm, I'm legit very sorry. Um, One of the things I talk to my clients about is intent versus impact. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the distance in it, the distance between what you intend and what how it lands on something um, can be dependent on a number of different things, some of which is our internal, like our processing responsibility. And some parts aren't, you know, uh, you are responsible for how you say something and the circumstances that uh, that causes that for example, but I'm, you're not responsible for my, my processing of it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yep. And so uh, what I talk to clients about is the distance between intent versus impact and where miscommunication lies. Um, and so being able to say, I'm sorry, it drops a guard. And then opens up the line for communication. Be like, hey, where did I miss it? Where did I misinterpret it? Where did I misunderstand? You know, where did I, in my own trying to understand you, apply my framework to it and then reflect that differently? So um, I love, I, I not that I love to apologize, but... But it's a level of humility. It, it is, it's, yeah.
0: It's, and that's, I'm, ve- I'm someone that I, I... So actually a question for you, because I don't mind admitting when I'm wrong. Yeah. And, and now what happens... In the so say I say something to you, and this is through my experience, my like you said, the process of whatever made me me at that point mm-hmm. in time says something, and I believe it's the correct intent. Mm-hmm. I did it, not trying to hurt anybody, I said what I meant, or I believed in what I said, or whatever the case might be, landed like you said, landed wrong with you, now yeah. you're upset how what do you think's the best route to go with that because I've done that before where The receiver of the of the information, so the person I'm talking to, gets upset. Then they get upset that I'm not apologizing for what I said. Mm -hmm. Now I a hundred percent will apologize if my I believe I like my if my intent was bad. I will apologize because I know guilty guilt conscious is like "Eh, I should like if I said something to you to to harm you or to you know kind of you know jab you with a comment or something like that. And I know my intent was to like make you mad or kind mm-hmm. of throw you off or something. Shame on me. You know, I try not to do that. And, but if I said something and I'm like, well, one, I either believe it's true or, and or I wasn't trying to do what you just said. You totally took that the wrong way. Yeah. Do you think, then they'll be like, well, you, you were in the wrong, you should apologize. I'm like, well, I said, I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. It might've affected you in the negative way, but this is where I'm coming from. Yeah. And is it better to? How would you go about that situation? If I believe what I said was right, and I'm like, well, I don't think I really did anything wrong. I mean, I, again, I'm sorry if it affected you wrong, which I had people say they don't like when I say that because yeah. then it's like, well, you're just. I'm like, well, no. I mean, I really like if it bothered you. Like, I'm sorry it kind of came out that way, but the intent wasn't that. And yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. To be honest, I'm not going to apologize for my intent because I know in my head my intent was good. It, um. What what's the how would you frame that up or how would you kind of work through that? Should you just say even though it landed wrong, then you are at fault, or do you think it's? I, th-
1: I, I think inherently people are responsible for their own way of receiving things. Mm-hmm. However, my question to you then becomes: What is the value of the person in front of you? You know, um, to to you specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, do I value? you know, I might've, I might've said something that even though I meant it in a right way, didn't come off as right. And you've addressed that with me. Then because I value you, I want to understand it from your perspective. And so yep. going from a value-based standpoint of the person in front of you for me, I, w- this is just purely, this is just purely Fran, um, going from a value based standpoint of, Hey, I want to understand why that came off wrong for you. I'm not going to apologize for you know i'll i'll add this caveat sometimes it's better i've i sometimes it's better to try and understand than it is to be right oh absolutely and yeah. and yeah. uh the intentionality behind that provides the framework for vulnerability in when you are wrong and so That's that's all right. It doesn't mean that I'm like, okay, you're you're supposed to acquiesce every time. No, 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 no. If you're right about something and it is something that you're like, hey, fundamentally, I'm right on this. And, you know, it's a case by case basis, like because I'm not going to be like, oh, I was wrong for this, 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 this and start doing the laundry list of things I'm wrong Mm -hmm. for and then be like, yo, what? You know, I'm not going to always take the blame or accept responsibility if it's something I did not do. However. It is value how much do I value the person in front of me where I would rather understand their heart and then we work from there it op- it opens up communication and then allows me to say oh hey Galen how would you prefer that I communicate with you because sometimes it's not about what's said it's how it's said or the content of what is being produced the so yeah. That, yeah and so so if if I say to you, Hey, I did that's not the heart in which I meant it. How would you prefer that I communicate with you that way? I'm now accountable for communicating to you in the way that you will best receive it, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think in the situation I'm I'm saying is i I do that also. If it's somebody that I care about and they get upset about what I say, then I will be, you know, quick to say, Hey, I didn't mean it that way. Yeah. Like I'm yeah, I'm like sorry you took it that way. Like could I say like say something wrong or whatever and you know, I do kind of try to come from an understanding. Now, if that person doubles down and just says, "like that's awful," blah blah blah, I'm like, "Well, I, I'm standing behind what I said because mm-hmm. again, I'm not going to I don't I don't like to apologize for things if I if I did it correctly. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong. And I had this conversation yesterday with Bryce. It was. Um, if I say something or believe something or think something, it doesn't make it factual. It makes mm-hmm. it an opinion, but it's my opinion. It's what I believe, but it doesn't mean it's right either. And and if you, me and you disagree on something, we we can both be right, mm-hmm. and we can both believe we're right, and I can believe you're right, and you can believe I'm right. Um, or No, sorry. I can believe that you think you're right, and you can believe that mm-hmm. I think I'm right. And it doesn't make... Any of us, bad or good, it's just that's the reality, and that's where we choose to to put our our thoughts. And I think that's where I come from: is that I absolutely try to understand stuff. Yeah. I don't know everything; I will never know everything. And I think that having the humility to, and one, being curious, I like to learn. Absolutely. So if you like, that's why I'm trying to like learn from you a little bit because I already know without a doubt you have way more knowledge and and uh, um, expertise in this than I do. And I think inherently, I understand it you inherently understand it and you've also studied it. So, I mean, you, you know, you've deep dived into it. Um, so I think that that's where I always look at like confrontation is my thought is always diffuse the situation by trying to come to some type of understanding. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you have to agree. It just means you have to come to an understanding of where the conversation or where the, the facts lie or where the opinions lie. And again, does not make either side wrong. And I was using the analogy yesterday. We could both say, the water's cold right now. We mm-hmm. know for a fact it's cold. We put the thermometer in, it is cold water. I could say, I think it's absolutely crazy if somebody goes swimming right now. That's stupid. Why would someone do that? And you say, Well, I I like doing an ice plunge. I think yeah. it's good for my body and it has this benefit, which some people do. Doesn't mean either like if I say that I think anybody going in there is crazy. Doesn't mean they're crazy. That's my opinion, but mm-hmm. we can both agree the water is cold. cold. Absolutely. So that's like kind of the analogy that I used yesterday was that it's just sim- simple as you know your coffee is hotter than my drink. Like that's that's true. We can we can factually have it, but it doesn't make me say this tastes better but than then, that. Yeah. You know, we both okay. Well, absolutely. I don't like coffee, which I, I love coffee, but <laughs> um, so now,
1: do you meditate? Uh so in terms of my classification of meditation for me specifically is using the word or focusing on God as a central, as a central point. Mm-hmm. And then using, uh, being in tune with him. It's what allows me to find peace in moments of like, like when it, when everything is just like all the way up, it ha- allows me to just bring that down. Um, and so to give context to it, that is meditating on the word and on the Lord is how I meditate. Okay. So, and,
0: But it allows you to kind of center yourself, bring yeah. peace, bring kind of lower the stress, anxiety, like just lower, like really just become connected with one thought, one, yeah. one being and just be mm-hmm. you. Yep. Okay. But that is the idea of you centering yourself to then allow you to have that alignment you talked about. Yeah. And you find that that centering and alignment allows things just to happen in life that like you, your personality, obviously, I'm assuming attracts other like-minded fun people. Yeah. Like, and I think people that are pessimists are like, Fran's a little too much for me. <laughs> and then people that are optimistic, they're like, Fran's my gal. Like, let's, I mean, let's, let's, yeah, let, let's connect. Let's let do this. Um. So are can you talk about your, so the student empowerment coordinator, mm-hmm. that was your previous role? Yes. All oh, right. And then prior to mental health counseling?
1: Yeah. Oh. So uh, while I was in, uh, getting my getting my degree, one of the jobs that I had was i 'm um, very student affairs oriented mm-hmm. um, most of almost all of my jobs have been within the realm of student affairs um, not excluding counseling counseling is student affairs and um no, it's it's still in the realm of student affairs, but it's a little bit more because of because of the nature of it, it's a little bit more to the side. Um, but the, a large part of my job was I ran a residence hall. Um for three for three yeah, three three and a half years. Um I ran uh several different residence halls and as I grew in um in if I as I grew in rank, the number of people I oversaw became much more. Um so my job became well how do i maintain and sustain community um, amidst 175 students who don't know each other Mm -hmm. and then as i grew even uh, as i grew uh, as i grew in rank it became how do i on a system level help people maintain community within their own buildings, um, and create an, uh, an overall campus community amongst buildings, if that makes sense. Um, so part of that, part of my role became, hey, I'm going to run a residence hall, uh, but then also putting together programmatically what was going to happen. So I love, I love programming. Programming is legitimately one of my favorite things to do. Like
0: computer programming? mm -mm. Programming, like running stuff, organizing? events, yeah. Okay, like event coordinator? Yeah. Okay.
1: And so doing that, executing that, it's one of my favorite things to do. Um, I love team building activities. I love uh, facilitating team building activities. Um, I love Make Letting communities come together. Um, and part of that is focused in diversity work. So I spent a large portion of my role uh, learning, teaching, empowering students um, along the realms of diversity, equity, and inclusion as well. Um, so taking all of that and then putting it into content for students to see passively. So like looking at bulletin boards, um, putting that into content for students to engage in in programs uh linking up with other entities on campus or off campus to make sure that you know the theme of diversity equity and inclusion is also being incorporated into the events that we do um so that students can go from a place of saying hey this is my building to hey this is where i live this is my community
0: so i've i've been trying to read more lately and the last two books that i've read have dealt with culture Mm -hmm. um And what fascinates me because I'm kind of in that realm right now reading a lot of or just kind of being in the subject matter right now that it sounds to me that you excel on a leadership role as a leader. It sounds like you excel on a cultural role and it sounds like you excel also on an operations role and which is fascinating because and I use leadership and this is something that I'm trying to get better at because it's it's something that it's, it's a, for me, it's a learned skill. You have Mm -hmm. to learn it and I'm trying to get better at it, but leadership of, you know, making sure that you can through your actions, through your words, through your beliefs, that you can get people to want to be on your side and want to do what, you know, and kind of as a collective accomplish a lot of things. And I think one of the things you talk about that I've been reading about lately is culture and building culture. And I think, um, some of the stuff, it was just having the, Having the principles, having the guidelines, having the beliefs, having what you, what you keep in, like, like I'm trying to think, like, the characteristics or, like you said, the values that you hold or the virtues that you hold up and say, I'm aligning with these thoughts, feelings, what emotions, beliefs, whatever. And that is what kind of resonates and makes Fran Fran. And then from there, can you also be able to spread that out to more people? And you mm-hmm. said as you grew and grew and you had you had a, um, a residence hall and a residence hall and a re- or a dorm and you had all these and now all of a sudden you're like, well, then we're putting two or three together. Now we're putting the campus together. You're now taking a culture that could have been just a couple floors in a residence hall to a residence hall to multiple to now campus wide which ha- in effect 6,000 people roughly mm-hmm. um, not counting uh, p- professors so even more and in, in, you know, people that just work um, that aren't professors there. So, you know, do you have 7,000 people that are, are living in this ecosystem of Plattsburgh mm-hmm. State? And then, being able to take all that and then throw in the operation side of planning, organizing, getting all this stuff done and really like kind of, um, not just living in the ideas, but living in like the, you know, the clouds and dirt kind of idea, like living out and making these big macro, You talk about macro yeah. micro, mm-hmm. but then you're like, you're getting your hands dirty and going down the micro, micro and making things yeah. move and kind of you're, you're the, you're putting like the, you know, you're throwing coal in, in the, in the, in the furnace to get the motor going and get yeah. everything rolling. So do you find that leadership culture, operations that like does that encompass you quite a bit like does that sound like it those are all fran attributes
1: i i would say so i i think leadership i want to try and find a way to put this
0: do you think you're a leader
1: yeah absolutely yeah absolutely i think everybody has the where not everybody but i i think people have the ability to Hone in on the skills and values that they have inherently to become leaders in their own realms. Now, uh, re- leadership is something I believe that comes with realms. Like, I started out as a leader on a floor, and that became okay, I'm now assisting my director, and then now became I am the director. And so, leadership, if you steward it properly, allows you to grow, but it also gives you the opportunity to. Really, come into come in tune with the things that you value as a person. And so, um, in any team that I'm working with, in any team that I'm helping to develop, I start with them first individually. What makes you you? Okay, as a team, what do we value? And we then governing is centered around that principle of what do we as a team value? What do we uh, what what do we want to ascribe to? What do we want to accomplish? And then that becomes the culture. Because we've now, because if you're looking at culture as an accepted set of norms by a group of people, the norms now have become the value. The accepted norm for the group of people has become the values. And so the integrating of the values into the day-to-day interplay of relationship with the other people that they have, encounter, that they have to encounter then, sets the, then puts culture in action. And that's where you get community.
0: You're, you're a bright bright person. Thank you. I mean, I just, I, I, I've read a lot on this, and I think you just summed up everything that I've read in hundreds of pages in about a minute monologue. So I, I don't, I, can you? I appreciate that. Thank you. No, you, this is, I, I love listening to this. Um, so when you talk about establishing culture and, and now, and establishing community and establishing. Like I said, just the values, like what is values that you live by? Like, what are some things if I was to ask you those questions, like what, what makes your pillars up in life that you're like, these are my, these are what, these are kind of like my North stars of the life of Fran.
1: Got you. Um, first and foremost, that would be, I, I I don't think I steered away from it. God first, mm-hmm. first and in everything. Um, my identity is wrapped up in who he is. Um, and so there is no components of me outside of the, uh, there's no components outside of me that I'd want to not be aligned with who he says that I am. Right. Don't get me wrong. It, it It, it, sometimes it's, it's a trial by fire for you to, for you to learn who you are. Um, however, the pillars that make me, me have to fall in line with who he is. So that means I am going to speak up on behalf of those who are not represented. It means that I'm going to be by my, 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 People will always be worth it. That is something that I, I live by. People are always going to be worth it. Reason being, because I believe my, my Savior died for me, and he found me to be worth it. And if he loves everybody the same, if he loves people, then I'm going to love people. He was challenging his love for people. That means I'm going to be challenging my love for people. But it's going to show me the dimensions in where I lack so that I can grow. And so people will always be worth it, fundamentally, foundationally. Um, you know i i live by you know you don't steal you don't kill you don't you know all that all that stuff that's laid out Mm -hmm. um but fundamentally for me is god first love people
0: i i uh i always attribute like we hear like the golden rule treat others as you want to be treated and that's that's pretty much how i just live my life and that's why i uh and there's other stuff, you know. Like I said, intent's a big one for me. Honesty, you yeah. know. And I think word is a big thing for me. If you say you're going to do something, do, do it. it. Like, yeah. um, just back. Like, don't. Um, and I think, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, treating people the way you want to be treated, I think is the the easiest thing. And I have young children. I say it all the time. Like, one of them pushed him. Said, "Would you want them to push you back? No. I said, then why would you push them? Yeah. Like, it's very simple. Like, just just be nice. Be nice to your sister. Nice to your brother. Like, be just be nice to him Like, yeah. you know, or be kind and just you know. And I think. One thing that I've I've really noticed as I've gotten older, because when you're a kid, you're you know you're a kid, you, you know you just, you, it takes time for you to grow up and really experience Absolutely. and learn stuff. And you know when people say like you think you know everything when you're younger, which is you know you, you think you're bulletproof at that point. And then when you get older, <laughs> you're like maybe mom, dad, or that older person wasn't as as uh, you know crazy as I thought they would be. But uh, the one thing I I keep coming back to in a lot of situations, life's hard, and I and I think that the and. I, I know it's a simplistic thing to say but it's the idea of life's hard and that people i think inherently are trying to do the best they can and not not all things are equal and i think yeah. that's something that people need to understand it's like I, not, you're not going to have the same you know easiness as as who this other person but guess what you're going to have it better than the next person down the road so i said you got to look at the idea of like there's always that idea that if everybody threw all their problems into a basket, you'd be quick to pull yours back out because <laughs> it's really like you think you have a lot of problems and because they're your problems. So therefore they, they stay in your head, they stay inside. But if I said, These are my biggest struggles in life right now, even you could throw out a bunch of struggles and be like, eh, I'm good. Like, you know, yeah. I'll take mine. And and I in that or, you know, billions of people in the world throw their struggles in, are like, wow, I got it really good. And I think putting in perspective that you know, everybody's going to have hard times. Everybody's trying to do the best they can. And we're only as good as the experiences. We're only as good as what we can experience. We're only as good as our relationships. We're only as good as how we treat people. And I think, like, there's a lot of things, things that can affect it. But, you know, I don't like to talk bad about people. I don't like to... You know, judge a book by its cover because I don't know. I didn't walk in their shoes. I, you know, I, you know, I don't know what they experienced last year, last month, ten years ago. Like that, or I don't know where they're going home to. You know, mm-hmm. and and like I said, and the mental aspect of it. When you talk about everybody deals mentally with different stuff. I tip, to, I internalize it. I don't express it as much. And the problem is, it eats at me. gives me anxiety. And then I, I know that. And I kind of had bouts where that would. I knew it was starting to get unhealthy, you know, and then that's some stuff where I'm like, okay, I got to figure some stuff out and I got to really, you know, kind of work through it. And however I want to work through it or, you know, or ask questions, ask help or whatever the case might be. And I think, um, but it's like, like you said, being good to people. And um, I, I think that that's something, unfortunately the world lacks right now. And, and it's not everybody. And I think, I really think 90 plus percent of people in the world, maybe more are good people. And I think it's like you, you see the bad eggs kind of ruin it for everybody. But I think overall, if you were just to like walk down the street and kind of encounter people, most of them are going to be pretty nice people, you know? And I think that that's the idea of just trying to, maybe it's being naive, but I really think that people are nice. I think inherently nice. I think they're trying to do their best. I think even if they come across and it's like, well, they seem mean, Kind of did that, like that, that, uh, that, that reflection. Okay, yeah. is there some, is, is something causing them that stress or that viewpoint or whatever that has nothing to do with me? But kind of be empathetic to that person and and not, you know, not fight fire with fire and just say, okay, let's try to diffuse it. Let's get on the same page. Maybe I can help them out. Maybe yeah. I can, you know, kind of shine a light on some darkness that they have in their life. And I think, I don't know, I just think that that's so important. So you start to hear more of like mental health and, and psychology and counseling. I think it's good because you said even for me just talking to you like right now, it's like you get stuff out of your body and it's out and it just feels good. And, um, the one thing I have to do better at, which again, we try to audit yourself is I have to listen better, but I also want to ask more questions cause I Absolutely. find I can learn, obviously you learn from hearing from people, but I think slowing down and like asking questions and like listening to you talk and saying, Wow, okay. You connect the dots, learn something new, different perspective, fresh yeah. eyes. I'm like, "Oh, this is this is good." And um I'm trying, that's something I've been trying to do more is just read more, learn more, um listen more and really try to kind of you know, kind of polish my myself as like a stone where you kind of like you're trying to just polish all the imperfections yeah. out and get better.
1: Refine, you're refining. Yeah. Yeah, and it it builds on this again, it builds on the skills that you already have. Right, and so looking at it from you wanting to, you saying you want to be a, a better listener. Hey, that's that's awesome. Um, maybe what gets changed, I I don't know. I'm this. This is just You're generally good. Good, generally yeah. speaking. Um, maybe for the generally speaking, it, it's formulating what intent is because hearing and listening are two different things Mm -hmm. and so you saying you want to make the intention of being a better listener tells me that this is something that what you're trying to hone in on is your ability to receive process and understand information intentionally um whereas hearing would be oh i hear what you have to say it's it it, where but i'm going to respond one of them sometimes listening is the absence of a response and um or uh, uh let me let me rephrase that the absence of an immediate response that's i would say is the difference between hearing and listening so the difference between the two of them is intention mm-hmm. and so uh this is just generally 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 speaking um looking at it from that perspective will help you formulate the right questions um also one of the one of the biggest things that this year has taught me is when listening to some when before asking someone asking legit one of the things that's been revolutionary for me um I started asking people what their threshold was um before I engage in any form of conversation that's like hard to talk about or you know requires more than the norm. Mm-hmm. I ask people what their threshold is because if you've had a day and you know you're like uh you." Mm, We could have a conversation right now. I don't know how productive it would be me for me to just come on and be like, hey, lay it all on you. And you didn't ask for it. Mm -hmm. That is that is disrespectful. I consider it personally disrespectful to you because it's you're not in the place to be able to have a con have that kind of a conversation rather than just something that is general. Um, So asking what your threshold is allows the invitation. For you, for people to engage in discourse that is intentional, and if you can be, that's where you learn to foster those skills of listening. um Because both of you are like, "Yo, we're all in." If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I. Well, I mean, there's some days where I'm like, I, I have a difficult meeting or conversation in the afternoon. I'm just spent all day. I've been working. My mind's not there, and I'm like, and you go into that like this, this is already going to be a struggle because I'm just not firing at hundred percent right now. Yep. And, and you try to power through it. But then I also, I feel in my, like in my being that I'm like, I, I, I just didn't bring my a game to that. Yeah. And, and I think the threshold, like you said, is, is smart on the opposite end too, because you mm-hmm. know, like you said to, to go in, you know, blitzkreet on somebody and they're like, <laughs> and like, I, like, I just got out of this like bad thing. I just got this bad call and you're coming at me now with more. It's just overwhelming. I think the the listening aspect, selfishly listening, I want to learn. Yeah. Because I want to learn more. Giving wise, so that's my selfish reason. Giving wise is that I find I have a tendency to over talk. um, And I have a tendency to cut people off. Not as, again, not bad intent. Yeah. But I, I think. I might jump and cut you off and then add or want to say something and I think it's disrespectful to somebody if they're trying to... Not that I didn't think it was disrespectful before. It was just I didn't really have control over. I just kind of did it without like, ah, I guess stop doing that. But um, being aware to let you talk, let you have your full thought and then add to it and then we elevate each other back and forth. But I think twofold is one, I'm going to learn more by listening to you but also it's very therapeutic and it's very, it's good for people to talk through their full conversation and full thought because we're all human. And like I said, if you internalize stuff and don't let it come out and it festers inside of you, Mm -hmm. it eats, like internally eats away at you. And it might be very casual conversation, but still, if you have a thought that you think is a well thought thought and you want to share that thought, it sound like Dr. Seuss right now, (laughs) If you have a good thought that you want to (laughs) share, that that thought by letting me let you or give, letting me give you the space to have that entire thought come out, one, allows you to process everything, mm-hmm. which allows you to actually learn more because you're thinking it through and expressing it. And then it allows me to internalize that in a listening and let me filter through the process and be like, I'm a better person for just listening to her talk for two minutes. Absolutely. And that's something that I'm really trying – and again, I'm not perfect at this by any means. Oh, none but, of us are. But the, but the idea is like now I'm more aware of that over the last few months than I was before. And my hope is that I can continue to get better at that. And there's times like I'll be talking and I'm and like mid middle way through the meeting or conversation. I'm like, listen more, like in my head, I'll be like, listen more. And I I will, and it will actually like calm down and I'll start to ask more questions. Mm -hmm. And I actively in my head and I'm, again, this is, doesn't come to me naturally. I'm in my head, like. Working at listening, like I'm actually, it's like I'm using the listening muscle in my mm-hmm. body to be like, don't talk, ask a question, and sit back and just just absorb. Um, it's it's good. I like when I do it, but and I like when I recognize when I don't do it because then I do it again. And at times that it's like anything else, I'm gonna let certain points get away from me. But if I can recognize it more often than I did before and, and keep building on that, then I'm gonna get slowly better to that point where. I can like kind of like your own, your, your own judge and jury kind of thing. I can judge myself and jury myself and say, okay, you are now a good listener and I'm not there yet, but my goal is to get to that point where I can internally or self like self-express to myself that, yep, you, you've hit the metric where we believe you're a good listener, like internally. And that's, that's something I'm working towards um the podcast helps i do listen a lot on the podcast but even on the podcast i'll cut people off so i'm really trying more to let you go finish the whole thought pause and then i'll add i'm like then i'll rattle off all my questions so
1: for what it's worth i think you're a good listener um and there's a quote that i've heard when i was playing i i played ball for a little bit um basketball yeah okay and then ended up uh goalie for soccer and then uh when I came to Plattsburgh, I played rugby before a little bit. Wow. Um, was Was Chris your coach? Uh, no, I had okay. uh, Tom. He I, he teaches over now at the Rod and Gun Club. Um, I don't know. Uh, Tom's Pills Pillsworth.
0: Because now Tom? the mayor is the rugby yeah. coach. Yeah. Um, and if you ever I, seen him, he looks like a rugby player. He's got, <laughs> like, he's got, like, he's, I was gonna say Chris. Chris is pretty like sturdy. He's a sturdy yeah. guy. Yeah.
1: He's cool. He's cool. Um, one of the things that I heard when I was playing uh, sports was the quote, good, better, best, never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. Um, and so using that as a point of measure, a unit of measuring, a measurement is, hey, there's always something to be improved on. Right. And so keeping the internal barometer of saying, hey. You know, I might not be exactly where I want to be, but I've made so much progress from where I first started. Mm-hmm. And then using that as a form of encouragement. This, so the way I see it is that the distance between where you were and where you are will always be greater than the distance between where you are and where you need to be. Because.
0: Will always be greater. The, yeah. Okay. The
1: distance between where you were and where you are will always be greater than the distance between where you are and where you need to be. Because you're always progressing forward. Okay. Um, that is how I see it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, that makes sense. Yeah as you so as you're continuing you're getting further and further away from what you used to be who you used to be what you used to think who you used to be and you're getting closer to the person that you're going to be or supposed to be and so every step taken is ground earned and so as long as you keep doing it go for it
0: are you someone that every day like you sound like every day you try to just get a little bit better absolutely yeah like you don't seem like a complacent person like you're always like i just I'm gonna level myself up every day. Level up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's how I look at it. And everything I do, we have good days and bad days. But I think, like you said, if the trend is upward, yeah, you're doing well. And that, to me, is something that I really think that's something that will stick with me for life because I've always been someone that I like to learn, but I like to be better. And fully, yeah, and I like challenging. I like hard. I like thoughts and. One of the things that's kind of uh i've I've heard this recently that like be grateful for bigger and better problems, and I use that in the sense of like running the business. I run into problems now in the business that like like oh stressful oh, I'm not looking forward to this blah 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 but i go I keep going back to that, and I said, well, twelve years ago when I started, mhm-." I would have been happy to be in a position to have a certain level of success, not th- not thinking of that problem. Yeah. But I'm saying I would have want I would want to have been in a position that I am now back then. But because I'm now at this time, now my problems are bigger problems. Yeah. But relative to where they were 12 years ago, my I had problems back then that were I would deem big problems at the time, and now I think those are laughable. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I'm like, even though this is hard now. How will 10 more years in the future look when Galen's looking back at his, you know, 30 something year old self and saying, oh, my God, kid, you thought that was hard. But but because I've earned the right to have those bigger problems and it's kind of putting a a positive spin on it because you're always going to have challenges and problems. But if I if I look at it, that I've been able to build stuff in my life where. I'm kind of I've i kind of earned the right to be the person having that problem is kind of a cool thing. Even though it's a problem, you wish you didn't have it, but it's like I could be that I could have done nothing over the last twelve years and been back there and mm-hmm. had very minor problems that weren't even that big of deals or had no problems at all, never grew. Yep. So now it's like I, I embrace challenges. They're not comfortable, but no, I but I look means. at it and like, man, like you put up. It's like perspective. It's just like put us put a fresh, positive spin on it. Like you can learn something from this. Absolutely, like that's, a, that's a benefit.
1: Absolutely, and and you're always going to be growing and developing in who you are because who you were, who Gail, Galen was twelve years ago, is not who Galen is today. Your perspective has changed. Your perspective has sh- dramatically shifted. Um, your internal barometer for what was pal palatable or not has shifted Mm -hmm. who you know your desires your dreams your hopes your scope of vision has dramatically changed since then and that's part in that is in part to the challenges um that you've that you've encountered right um because they have that saying you know what doesn't kill you makes you stronger Mm -hmm. and all of that um if i may add my own spin on it I, i would say uh one of the things that i've learned um and this is i'll give uh credit to um uh, Councilman Canales for this because he he says it all the time. Um, adversity introduces you to your truest self, um, and so uh, that is one out of his book that I have learned, um, and it it really is challenges and adversities introduce introduces you to the components of yourself that you would have not otherwise engaged with had that position had that challenge not been there, and so you have an opportunity to either say, well. I didn't meet the mark for this particular challenge. Well, what do I need to change about myself or what has to change for me to overcome this challenge? And then that tells you whether or not you're willing to go head first or run away. And it helps. How uh when did you meet Jimmy and Whitney? Um I met them a couple of years ago. Um I'm trying to think how long it's it, it's Or how did you meet them too? Uh funny story. Um so I met them uh, at a function, and Councilman Canalis made, yo, he is a phenomenal cook. I would, let me just, let me. Well, <laughs> I'm going to listen. I'm going to let you say your Go piece, forward. and I'm going
0: to add to it. No, I'm going to listen right now. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> he is an amazing cook. Um, when I tell you, like, you, I, you, you have not had tacos until you've had his tacos. I... Woo! Like, I mean, you, you're going to get me all the way excited. His <laughs> cooking is bomb.com. And so I did not know that he was a, a believer at the time. Um, and he made this mango habanero salsa that is, oh my gosh. Yo, Galen, when I tell, bro, you the city in me is going to come out right now because.
0: <laughs> and I'll give you credit. People in the city have access to very good food. Absolutely. So, like the, this, uh, this is even amplifying whatever you say. Yes.
1: Absolutely. He he made a a, a mango salsa, and I gave him a hug. Like, if the food is transformative, and like if it's done right, done well, and done with love, you just automatic. It just heals you. <laughs> you ever seen Encanto when Homegirl was like, it's like one of her? Food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Feel it. Um. So. He, I gave him a hug and then like a portion of the conversation started um, and they started talking about, you know, faith and the word of the Lord. And I was like, wait, what? And so let's go. Uh, and so we ended up going to um, the same church for a little bit. And then uh, that's how I met them and grew in a, con- a relationship with them. They are amazing, amazing people. Do you go to the ark down here? Yeah.
0: Um. So. For, first off. Jimmy would just randomly text me pictures of food that he makes <laughs> just randomly. He sent me this thing the other day. I forgot what it what 20 cent. I got on my phone too. Cause I'm looking at this thing. And like, I, I pry. I'm like, well, how'd you make that? You do What's on that? Cause I, I like, I want to know. And it looks unreal. And he's always like, like that looks delicious. Capital letters, bro. And I'm like, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, cause I, now what he's also told me, I know he's a good cook. You're not the first person to know he's a good cook, <laughs> and then I see the photos, and I know he's a good cook, and uh, and I'm sure Whitney's no slouch either. But she she she's she can she's hold her really own. Good. Yeah, she's she can good. hold she's her good. own. So so Jimmy also, and if Jimmy, you hear this, I'm holding you to this. He also told me his coffee.
1: Oh my gosh, is you unreal. <laughs> I
0: haven't had his coffee, and when I talk about coffee, you talk about caffeine. Like that, I think that already made Bro. me love you because of the caffeine. But yo, he told me his coffee and. He's like, you, you ain't, gotta ain't had coffee. coffee
1: till you had, his, oh my gosh.
0: I, that's what he tells me. And I'm like, I, I'm i like, you're, you're, you're really pulling at my heart right now, Jimmy. <laughs> so, um, I gotta go, I gotta, I gotta hook up with him to get some of his, some Jimmy coffee. But, um, one thing I'll say about, I had Jimmy in the podcast. I've met Jimmy multiple times. I mean, I met him. I mean, I've known, know him and know Whitney. And the one thing I'll say about those two people is that. When Jimmy was on, the quote that always stuck with me, he goes, P- "People are, uh, was it a jack of all trades, master of none?" Mm-hmm. Jimmy goes, "I'm a jack of all trades and master of many." Mm-hmm. And the one thing, and and I, there's two ways you can one take that as arrogance. I take that as ex- extreme confidence because the one thing I've noticed about him and seeing the stuff that he does and the way he talks and the way he carries himself is everything he does. He does it with every ounce of potential that he has, and puts like he's growing his potential. I'm saying everything he does, he is doing with every ounce of energy and and attributes that he could put towards it. And I think that I love people. I love, I love people that work hard and it doesn't mean you have to be the best at anything but you put the effort in mm-hmm. when I played sports I was not the most athletic kid I I I really had to work hard to like be good yeah. meaning I didn't have the skill level um I mean I'm five foot seven I can't I mean I'm there's not a whole lot I graduated at 150 well, like I wasn't a physical <laughs> specimen but I, I I earned my right to play in 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 sports and I I think that has translated to my life that I like people that are willing to work hard or willing to Grind it out, are willing to not make excuses, are willing to, when the going gets tough, put it in, put your foot in front of the other and just mm-hmm. keep going. And I think the thing that I've noticed the most about those two individuals is that they embody that so much so well that in many aspects, when when he talks about Master of Many, um, when I'm on the podcast, like the podcast was even long enough to go through half of what he has done. Yeah, I mean, and and the thing is, and some of the stuff like I knew of and I couldn't even ask him about it. Cause I'm like we've been here for two hours. And, uh, but he fascinates me with his level of excellence of excellence. Yeah. Perfect mm-hmm. word for it. And I, and I, and it's, it's inspiring to see. And I think it, it also gets me excited because I, I get energy from that. And the other thing that I really admire about him and Whitney, um, is that they've, they're not from the area. You know, they came to the area and they're, I would say newly in the area. You know, I've been here my whole life. They haven't. But I think they've they've put their mark down and saying like we're here to stay and we're here to make an impact and we're here to leave this place better than we found it. Mm-hmm. One of my, let even say one of my, my like ultimate goals in life basically comes back to the idea of leave an area better than you found it. Mm-hmm. And I naturally gravitate towards people that I believe are acting in that same way. Um, so that's what has always attracted me to both of them. And I think... Um, you know, some of the stuff they do and some of the, you know, I, I, w- I went down for the coat drive and just to watch that, you know, just that evening. And, and obviously it's just not an evening. There's plenty of work that goes into that behind the scenes, but just to watch like something as, as simple as a, a, food drive, coat drive, and then you see people that come in and are in need. And that's just a very small, like, I mean, that's scratching the surface as, yeah. as to what I, I, you know, I know that they would do in a year, um, not to mention I'm sure you get a bunch of people together that that have the mindset that you have and or had have mindset of them. It's powerful. Like it's not people people feed off of each other. When you when you have good feeding off of good and powerful feeding off of powerful, at the end of the day, that is like a a cosmic like explosion of goodness. And I think that um, I think that those two individuals are leaders. We talked about leaders, but I think you know hearing you talk and and you having a relationship with them doesn't. I'm not surprised by the way you carry yourself and the way that you articulate and the way that you think through things and your perspective and everything else. And I think it's, uh, it's cool. we're lucky. We're lucky to have those two. And it, like I said, Absolutely. I think people like you that, um, it, I love it when people aren't from the area and move here. Like, I just like, there's no better, there's no better like welcoming or no better like way to bring people to our community more than Plattsburgh State. Absolutely. You have three to 4,000 Imports, I'll call them like people that just aren't from the area coming here from all All over the world. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I would love to see, and is actually when you talk about visualizing and writing stuff down, like on my goal sheet or goals of things that I've written down includes this is trying to be able to bridge the community to the college back and forth on a very systematic level to get both sides involved. And I know it's been, people have done it
1: listen we we this is the time this is yeah this. I mean you
0: know this because you're in it like I mean it's like you know it way better than I do but there's so much potential and there's so much power that comes out of that and I went to Plasburg and I was not a great student in the sense of I just I was I was an okay student I wasn't um it, it literally was a check mark for me go to school mm-hmm. go home I was working I was coaching I like I did nothing on campus I pretty much went into my classes and got out gotcha um was i was not involved in campus life at all um but now being removed from school you know over a decade and looking back at it now it's like there's so many bright people that are there um, on both sides professors and, and students but it's trying to keep the students here, here. like you mm-hmm. come here and you learn but it's like can we make this area an attractive place for them not to want to leave, but want to stay and want to make better and want to, you know, take everything they just learned and put it back into the community that basically was home for three,
1: four, five years. Mm -hmm. Um, what's your, what's your thought on that? Um, I think we are in a very unique Plattsburgh is in a very, very, very uniquely placed, uh, position, both geographically and relationally. Um, in that you have, Plattsburgh has um, one of the highest international students across SUNY. Um, so we, you're, you're getting people legitimately from all over the world that are, are coming here for uh, semesters at a time. And are legitimately living in, an er- living in an area where they get to, where you're legitimately talking to the world at any given time. Mm -hmm. Um, You you know, I I engage with people from, oh my goodness, there's more than, uh, there's, I think right now we have, we've had uh, people from over 100, from what, 150 countries or 100 and, Oh, I believe it. Like, we just collected, all them flags are hanging in the ballroom. ballroom, So, (laughs) you know, um, so to have representation from there, one of the things I've learned from, um, I will refer to them, now that you've mentioned that the ARC, is right there i will refer to them in the context in which uh they in in the rank and the 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 offices in which they hold i call them apostles they are um apostles Mm so uh apostles jimmy and whitney one of the things that they have taught uh is that vision in order for uh you must have vision you must have a mission right and so looking into um having that community uh Looking at it from the perspective of leaving an, an, an area better than where you found it um, is that mission and vision. We have to define, well, if our mission, if our vision is to have our students retin- stay here, then our mission ought to be let's. Create avenues for them to get plugged in beyond. It's just a beyond. Hey, our community is just Wally Walmart. Um, <laughs> I know. I know you're going. It's all good. You know. Um, yep. One of the things that I, I, it's not a chance. Not by chance that you and I are talking about this. This is something that is very, very much on my heart. It is not enough for our students to just come here. Let's let's keep them here. We, you know, you know, um, classroom to community. Um, we, it's not enough. We, we have such a discrepancy that happens between um, I, I'm going to use a phrase anyway. Uh, the students call the community members townies. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and you're, you're there's a negative con sometimes a negative connotation associated with it, but there's potential for so much and it takes the right vision and it takes the right mission and it takes the right uh, establishing what we value for it to act upon. So post post this let's you let's figure this out um because this yeah, is something that's legitimately on, well, on I think my you're, heart. I
0: think uh on multiple fronts one you came to the area for college you came back to college you worked on while you were in college now you work there post college mm-hmm. and you've stayed here as a member of the community so like I don't think there's a better and and obviously everything else you've been talking about and saying and and all your I mean like I said you you are an amazing person just listening to everything you've said thank i said you. taking all of that and being able and having the experience and, and being able to talk about this and be aware of it like i think you're someone that really can do some good stuff on this topic i mean multiple topics but definitely on this topic and i think, thank you you know i think uh someone like jimmy and whitney i i I, it's not lost on them either. They understand that, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you know uh, the arcs got a lot of kids from the from the college and that community coming in. Um, so there is there is a level of of um, you know weaving together. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like this area, I grown up here. I love it here. I think there's some fantastic people here, um, and I think one of the best attributes of Plattsburgh is the the. Ability the, the rate at which or, or the depths at which we can expand and grow. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that I like about Plattsburgh is that if you really took Plattsburgh at a very macro level, mm-hmm. there's so much room for growth in Plattsburgh in all fronts. I mean, this is buildings, this is size, this is people, this is mm-hmm. everything. And I think one of the cool things is the people, I do feel that the people, a lot of people that are in positions to have impact on it, I think are people that all like kind of have that sentiment. Like I look at, I've always talked about like the chamber, like Gary Douglas. I think if you had a Mount Rushmore, the North country would be on Mount Rushmore. Yeah. But you look at, I just talked about Chris. I think Chris, um, you know, I've had him on the podcast. I think Chris's vision for Plattsburgh. And I think, you know, Chris obviously um, he coaches at the college. I, he might've gone to college there too. I think he did. Um, did he, I
1: think, so. I, I
0: think he did. I'm, I'm not I sure. might be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure Chris also went to college there, but hearing him, hearing someone like Mike Cashman, who, who's the town supervisor, hearing, I um, for him, he was, he's cool. Yeah. Cash money. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, he literally lives right behind me. Like I, I, he, I can look at my, at his house from my house. So I always, um, <laughs> he, he's a good dude though. And, um, he's been on here a couple of times and he, he's a fantastic conversationalist. Um, and then, you know, you look at a lot of these people, Billy Jones and I think Dan stack and I, I'm like, you start to go. Through all the people that we have, that I think really do want to invest back in the community, and I think really are trying. It's like you can look at all of them. Like I believe whether people's politics are all different, but I think at the end of the day, um, again, I'm going to take a coin or a a phrase from Gary Douglas. Like I'm in the like my politician's the person that wants North Country to succeed. Like, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's where I'm at. Is that we're all we're all in this like group of people together that really want and it starts like you said as a single person it starts as a group of people it starts at this is that kind of like you did with the uh, I think your um, your life as an RN or RD just kind of epitomizes this whole thing like you had to work on yourself then you worked on a, a couple floors and you worked on the dorm then you worked on multiple then a community and then yeah. and now I think you've like, talked about you've earned that right that now you're now experiencing and, and gonna have a larger impact than just a couple floors on the dorm, you know? And I think that yeah. that's the cool thing is watching you build. And I think everybody has stories, but I hope, um, the idea of like a rise, a, a, I, I call it a, a rising tide raises all ships. I mean, it's a, it's a kind of a classic quote, but it's my favorite one is that if everybody together can raise the tide and everybody does it, we're all working mm-hmm. towards this goal of making this place better that I think, um, and again, like you said, there'll be disagreements, and there'll be buttonhead, but you're, what you're doing is you're kind of the, like, you can't make a diamond without pressure. Like, Absolutely. you have to have that pressure to make that diamond of an, of an area. And I think as we start to see that in different walks of life, in different backgrounds, in different um, sectors of, of the North Country, that it's all going to, like, raise everybody up. Um, yeah, and I think it's cool. Like I said, I'm, I'm lucky. I do the podcast, and I did it as kind of a fun thing. This is starting year four. Um, That's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, no, thank you. But, I mean, the amount of people that I've met and just perspectives and, and the amount of cool people that I've met, because I think, like, you, mindset like-minded people attract each other and i think that i've really felt over the last handful of years i've been you know lucky to have some really good people come into my life but i think it's also because of trying to be a good person naturally like law of attraction i Mm -hmm. bring in good and i you know as i you know meet more people and cross paths with more people that it's in in, like you better people Mm -hmm. then we're naturally going to have more and more um good that comes to the area. and i'm excited i really am for the future but i think listening to you talk gives me a lot of hope because you're someone that again i mean you walk the walk up to everything we've just said like yeah. you you weren't you didn't you didn't grow up in plattsburgh you, you like but you're like i like plattsburgh Like yeah, it's not bad i got i'm used to the cold now <laughs> no it's not jamaica no, <laughs> no yeah. I mean, New York City so, gets cold, though, right? Uh, not this cold. I'll okay. T- <laughs> There's wind tunnels if you go through, like, the city. I know, like, I used to go to Manhattan, and you're like, oh, my God. is yeah, it can get cold here. It does. Tomorrow's d- supposed to be a high of two, so.
1: D- all all two of them. All two all of them. D- oh, you'll <laughs> get all two of them, yeah, all, but not, all two not of much them. more. Um, I, that, that is something I don't think I will ever adjust to. I will say, though, fall up here is my favorite, yeah. f- favorite season. Um there is nothing like North Country foliage. like there is oh my goodness, just to to go drive drive through the Adirondacks and just between listen, this is how you know, this is how you know. I'm like committed to be I got the week's pack the second week of October. Peak foliage season. Yeah, yeah. You know, let's let, let you. I'm put me in a flannel and some boots. You ain't got. You ain't tell me nothing after that. And
0: then you just get your coffee, get and then you're gonna go leaf peep.
1: pepper. Like, listen. In the, I am, I are you, am are you that a pumpkin person. Spice latte I person? am. I am a fully man. Let you're me tell basic. you. I'm. I'm basic in the fall. You can't tell me nothing. <laughs> did, did you? Uh, so.
0: When you were a kid growing up in the city, did you ever go up to like the Catskills to look at foliage?
1: No, I actually didn't experience uh, foliage like how I did until I came here. Okay. Um, And um, that was where I got introduced to Pumpkin Spice Latte. So I only became basic since I've been (laughs) in Plattsburgh. Oh, man.
0: was there? There must have been foliage down there, right?
1: Yeah, there is. Kind but of, you
0: get down like the Hudson River. There's some like just north of the city. They have, yeah, they have like in the, the Poughkeepsie trees.
1: area, yeah. they have they have. A, but it's not. It's there's something about being in the Adirondacks on the way through. Massive. It's it is it is stunning. And so like I'm looking actively at e- e- even beauty in the dying things. It's yeah. absolutely absolutely stunning it legitimate like i look at it i'm like yo god you you just mad cool but i also envision bob ross be like you know little trees yeah. <laughs> a little flower here little tree <laughs> little tree and there's no mistakes shout you out know. to
0: bob ross yeah he was a cool dude um well i think it well i should say it's ironic because as as the leaves are dying mm-hmm. it's the most pretty things that you see it's kind of like a it's an odd it's like a, ironic like they're not they're not growing at that point they're falling they're yeah. you know they're dying out but they like the color just like it's like, mm-hmm. oh, here's my last like, my last little pop before I leave you for the year.
1: It's and it's be- but you know that they'll be back. Oh, yeah, And so that that even is in whatever we have within us that we're willing to let die. So that uh, I'm I'm gonna be completely completely honest. Whatever is in us that you know we negatively that we allow to die. There's beauty in that process too, mm-hmm. because you're you're dying to our own like selfish desire, our own needs or whatever, right? but then no. the knowledge is that who you will become is far greater than who you are now. And so there's beauty in that process. And sometimes it just takes a step back, uh, to appreciate the collective beauty of it.
0: I had, I had this, uh, this conversation with my wife the other day and she, she's, uh, you'd be a good person to talk to. She's actually going back to school for, uh, for kind of like a, um, a counseling kind of position. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then she had asked me about something else and she goes, Well, the money and everything else. And I told her, I said, I said, Do you think this would be good for you? Like, do you think it's gonna have a positive impact on you? And and, and she's like, Well, I really want to do it. I said, Okay. Well, I said, the best investment you're gonna make is in yourself. Mm-hmm. And I said, At the end of the day, like, I think some people look at, Well, I don't wanna spend that on this. I'm like, Well, do you think there'll be a benefit? Is that something you really wanna do? Well, then do it. I mean what, Absolutely. You're not gonna get worse because you did it. I mean, if it's all it's costing is money. I mean, I get like money's important, but at a certain point like you have to do stuff in life, you know, say it costs you a thousand dollars. Do you think there's gonna be a benefit? Do you think there's gonna be that ROI that return on that Mm -hmm. investment? And again, it's in yourself. So like you are going to be able to turn that investment as much as you want to really, because you can compound that as much as, 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 you know, humanly possible. Um, and I think that was something that I was kind of with and I was like, no, like if, do it like, like don't even think about it. Like it's just kind of one. Like, do you want to do it? Do you think it's going to help you? Then go. Like, yeah. Check the mark. Yes, we're doing it. so Absolutely. Um, I think Whitney told me this, but you, you're a musician. Yeah. Talk, talk me through this. What do you play? What do you sing? Do you sing?
1: I do, I do.
0: You sing and play music. Yes. Okay. Give, I, give me the whole rundown.
1: So, um. How do you want the, the it, how it got started or is, give me how, I want
0: the back so you when I say like musician, are you someone that sits in sings in the shower and sings in the car? Or are you performing in front of people? Both.
1: Okay. Um so I I do I work I am part of the worship team at uh, ARC and, and my former church I was part of the worship team there too. Um my introduction to music, um Actually started because somebody told me I couldn't. I was told I. I'm not gonna hold you. I. Love I it. was told that um, a woman's place was behind a piano, and not behind a drum. And so I started learning how to beatbox. Um, and based off beatboxing, taught myself how to play the drums. So how old were you when they told me that? Yeah. Uh, I think about little girl or fifteen. Okay. Um, fifteen. Like I had a, I had an interest in. Um, Why not drums? Uh, I mean, why the person
0: didn't think uh, like a girl could play drums?
1: Yeah, it was very taboo um, for the culture that I was growing up in um, or that I grew up in. Um, So... So cool. So you play the drums? I do, yeah. Um, But first by beatboxing. So, you know, in order for... Things had to, again, I'm very micro-centered. So uh, I had to understand how a kick worked before I could understand and how rhythm worked before I could actually put two and two together. So it became very, it felt very natural. Kick has like the bass drum. Yeah. Okay. Um, And so, you know, after a while it became, or I'm not going to, I'm not going to. You can beatbox. I'm actually kind of, can you do it?
0: (laughs) I mean, obviously you can do it, but I'm like, you need to warm it up or you just go?
1: I I would I can just go. Um, I'm tell not. Your story. I don't. We'll do a okay. Bit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't profess to be the greatest beatboxer in the world, but it was how I got started. So you'll be the best one that's ever been on this program. I'm sorry.
0: You'll be the best <laughs> that's ever been on this program. So you'll be fine. Yeah. All right. You're, you're actually establishing the bar right now. Our, so you'll be good.
1: Well, all right then. Let's tell your story. Then <laughs> make you it know. work. All right. So I was told that a woman's place was behind a piano. So I, I had an aversion to the piano for a while because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I but I started studying how to. I looked at the drummer in front of me, and I would watch. I would watch and observe, and I would watch and observe and watch and observe, and it became like, hey, I got. Uh, um, we would have battles in class where you're you get two pens, and you're like you're going. If I had two just, pens, I just would... Just rhythmic. Yeah, just rhythmically. We would just I'll battle. I'll you two pens. All right. Bet. You keep talking. I'll keep um, So we would rhythmically start battling out to see who could create the best beats. And then after that, um, it became... All right. When the pastor, <laughs> when they weren't at church anymore, I would get on the drums and then start, you uh, you, I'll, they're, they're I'll same take,
0: the same too. So like you all right, the same weight. so we would, the and same weight in hands. we, we
1: would get, uh, we would be at school, right? And then all of a sudden you would have, um, We start doing, you know, start doing that. And then we would see, because we would clown each other. We'd be like, oh, your beats are trash. Ah, whatever. And then you would have to have a redemption round. So this is like drum battle, in pen hi, battle, whatever yeah, you want to call it. Okay. In high school. And so you start learning, I started learning rhythm that way. And then um, it became, all right, well, let me sneak on the drums when nobody was around. And then all of a sudden it became, you know, something like that. Um, <laughs> and then add a little water drop in there. You know, Um, and that was how I could I could hear the beat in my head first and then play it out um, and then learn to flow from that. Uh, My introduction to the guitar came at an after school program Um, and I was always fascinated by how it worked. But I was like, this takes a lot. But I found what was what was easy for me was. Fretting, fretting, and I mean, barring sucks, which is where you put your oh, yeah, no, I'm aware, yeah, yeah, yeah. it sucks. I can't, I, it so I will use a capo every single time. Um, is it just because of the dexterity of like moving, yeah, because you're it's like my wrists are all my wrist is uncomfortable, yeah, and so like the finger strength is also a a portion of it too. And so, gradually, you know, I'm still working on it, but Mm -hmm. we've got a ways to go. So, in the meantime, I use a capo, um, but. One of the things I've always been fascinated by is how you can take an instrument like the guitar and be so versatile in it um, and then have it be an expression of how you were feeling and it didn't require words. Um, And... That was I had a friend who played the guitar, and I was like, "Okay, bro, teach me a couple chords and so he did, and so what started as him showing me three chords then became me learning um, more and more, and then like finger plucking became a thing, and that became mm-hmm. easy because i you can I play the drums, so having the rhythmic yeah rhythmically became no problem to be able to um move along to move along and then just go ahead and play and then to be able to start crafting uh things of my own and then what I in my introduction to the piano was um I had this French teacher um I was taking an art history class um and he sent us to One the city offered this program at the time where you were like, if you were a college student, you can go to any of the museums for free and whatever. (laughs) Um, And so I was sitting down, um, looking at works done in pointillism, and going, "How you know?" Is is that is that a composer? Um, pointillism is a technique where you're just dots. Um, you're using. Oh
0: yes, I've seen that. Yeah, 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 okay. Um,
1: And I'm sitting down, going, "Wow, this is beautiful." So he asked us to write it. to write out our feelings as to what we were experiencing when we were looking at this uh, artwork. And then after that, after we wrote that paper, he introduced music. And so it became music appreciation, music history. And so I learned um, then how beautiful the piano was, like, uh, and and different composers associated. And all of a sudden, it became like this entirely new world. And so I love the string component from the guitar, and then when you put strings on a piano, bro, like my entire world was blown. And so, and, and, and in which way?
0: Chords are from like, are you talking like a like a synthesizer, like like kind of like putting like the strings?
1: Oh, strings as a uh, like. A function of the piano so like if you can hit a string or orchestra yeah so okay. yeah so it's not necessarily the chords it's, it's not like or a scale or anything it's not it's just you hit a couple chords with the string function it's the best of both worlds for me
0: because okay. um, piano is is piano is or scales or no chords
1: um, both you there can, is, okay. yeah so you work the is up a scale. Yeah. Like play, okay you okay. work up the scale and I don't know how to
0: play piano I know a little bit of guitar but not piano it's
1: all it's all yeah. good um I it's that's something I'm also getting I'm getting better at but it is very fun to do um when I came to Plattsburgh actually I minored in music for a little bit um but I did it for voice and so like I have this ability to sing operatically but I never it's not something I ever do Um, but the only reason I got into that was because I didn't have the credit requirement for biology so I had to do something and I was like well I'm not doing art because I can't draw Uh, (laughs) so let me just do music because I'm semi-decent at it (laughs) (laughs) and I had some professors that that was my voice was something that was very very insecure about for a long time um because i was always like forced to be on choirs and stuff and so i would always try to blend in with that and try to keep my voice on the lower ranges um just so that i wouldn't particularly stand out um so you got more of a deeper voice higher voice um i have a range uh so i can go from tenor to about i would say depending on the song first soprano second maybe okay cool. um depending depend, it highly depends. Um, (laughs) And so I had some vocal instructors that uh, took what I was very, very insecure about, and they molded it until all of a sudden I'm producing sounds and tones that I didn't realize were in me. And so they, they pulled it out, they showed me the placement of the tongue, they showed me, you know, diaphragmatically, what you're supposed to be doing. And then they introduced language to it. And uh, all of a sudden, it was hey, now I'm I'm I'm, legitimately singing in Latin or Hawaiian or something like that. So there, uh, I'll give credit where it's due: Dr. Joellen Miano and um, Dr. Karen Becker, uh, some of the most amazing and Timothy, Dr. Timothy Morningstar, and Mr. Plattsburgh? yeah, all right. and phenomenal, Dr. William Fath taught me the ingenuity (laughs) of music. I, Dr. Pfaff was awesome. Like we would be sitting in music theory class and he would start writing on the board. And I kid you, he would just go off onto the chalk. He would go off the board onto uh, the white wall with white chalk. And I'm like, Dr. (laughs) Pfaff, can't nobody see what you're writing. (laughs) Can't nobody see what you're writing anymore. Um, (laughs) But he is fun. He's musically like, they are some of the most gifted people I've ever seen um, and ever had the opportunity to work with. and they took what I was very, very, very scared of, very insecure about, and they made it. Uh, they they showed me that hey, if you keep at it, it's going to produce something. So that that's how I got. That's how I started singing. Wow. Really started singing.
0: So what do you play the most of?
1: I play most guitar. Um, mm-hmm. It is there's just something about it.
0: You still play the drums? Yeah. Um, I, I think that the so two things my lifetime bucket list is I want to play guitar and piano proficiently, mm-hmm. not master it by any means or be really good. I just, I just, just enough where if I could sit down, I could read through and I could play through a song comfortably and I only want to do it for the pure joy and, and just like relaxation of doing it Yeah. and like playing guitar and just trying to work through something and get your fingers just right or kind of get the rhythm down. And once you get it and like, that, that sounds yeah. what it should be, then yep. you, you get like, it's like a little victory. But I think the – I think just the process and the thought and, like, the just the, the mental, like, focus that it takes to get good at it is what I like, kind of like that challenge. Absolutely. And then you do it, and it's, like, satisfying. It, and, and like anything else, you really can't master it. So then it's like, well, let's just go to the next, next level. Exactly. It, What's it, next? Yeah, it's like next level, next level. I mean – you see these great musicians and they're still practicing and trying to get better and I'm like, this person's like Hall of Fame level and they're mm-hmm. like, I still got to be able to get that. I'm like, okay. Like, but they're just at that, there's such an advanced or deep level of yeah. that understanding. Um, so is guitar, guitar's a little softer or it can be softer. It can be hard, but it can be soft and yeah. I think that there's so much like little things that you can do where I think it might even be more universal than the piano in the sense that Maybe I'm wrong on this, so correct me if I'm wrong. But I think like, the guitar has so many. I mean, there's what eighty-eight keys on a, on a piano. Yeah, and that's the white keys. Uh, or does that include the black? I don't even. What, what's the difference?
1: So, uh, the one is uh, like the sharps and the flats. Yeah. So the blacks are the black ones are the sharps, the flats, depending on what scale you're in. Okay. Um, and then we. Call them the pentatonic keys. They listen. I they're my favorite things to play.
0: But are they above and beyond the eighty? Are the eighty-eight keys just the white keys, or that include all the keys?
1: I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't remember. Okay. No, that's fine. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure. Cause I'm always I think like, I know 88 piano has white. eighty-eight. Okay. Yeah, I think they're eighty-eight white ones.
0: Um, I think because then it goes like two, three, two, three, all the way down. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So. Maybe there's more variations. I'm always looking at guitar because you have six strings and the fretboard goes down to probably what 15, roughly. I think, I think so. Choose, like where Well, it cuts off.
1: to functionally, I, yeah, I they, stopped, stop. Like I stop at about 11. Yeah, uh. yeah. You start getting jammed <laughs> up.
0: Get the, like, the Twelve is where you have like usually the double. Yeah, yeah. Anything beyond that, because then it's like so skinny, just, and you're and you, just skinny. Yeah, unless you're like one of those guys with like skinny fingers and just like shredding. Yeah. I'm like, no, nah, I got fat fingers. And so
1: then you grow your nails out to like. Oh, because you, uh, you, you, you guys with the crazy nails. Yeah, because you have to, because you have to be able to pluck yeah. effectively, and then at a certain point, your your fingers. Like dip. I'm like I'm not that dedicated. <laughs> well, then the other hand, you have to have short fingernails. Yep, because you can't. It's like <laughs> it's like a thing,
0: and I'm like, and I, I was like, I remember looking at one guy? I'm like, that guy hasn't cut his fingernails, and then I realized he was plucking. Yeah, I think the guy was thinking, have you ever watched? Um, oh my gosh, I'm gonna John Butler. Mm-mm. I think he's Australian, and he's part of the John Butler Trio. There's a song that he does and I believe it's on a 12-string guitar. You can find this on YouTube. Wow. And I think it's called Oceans and there's no singing. He just plays by himself on a 12-string guitar and he's a fantastic. That's amazing musician. And he's just and it's like look it up if you have time. It's probably ten minutes and he just sits there and he's playing this twelve string guitar and it's mesmerizing.
1: It's um it's there's so much you can do. It's, but his fingernails are long. <laughs> it's so it's such a versatile instrument. Like um it, it adds a percussive portion. So there's a part like I, I don't know if whether or not you're familiar with the style of playing where you like you hit you. Oh the hit, slap. Yeah. Yeah. Um you not and in addition to the slap, you can also hit the the body of the guitar <laughs> for a beat. And so uh, that's one of my one one of the things that I like to do on the side. Um is experiment with that style of playing, both with the slap. I a, yeah. Kind it, of like snap at it a little bit. Yeah, and then like I'll use the uh, the meaty part of my hand. Mm-hmm. The palm? And then, yeah. And give it, a, and and hit um, the body of the guitar while I'm playing, and it adds a percussive piece to it. Um, being able to slide back and forth between the frets are it, is beautiful. I'm still working on it. Still very much working on it. But it is, it, it's such a versatile thing because you don't even have to, you don't have to have, you can hit one portion of the strings um and without hitting the body and play, you can just play on the neck. Yeah. Like, which is beyond me. Like that is just absolutely phenomenal. Oh, yeah. And watching, watching people who are, who have like mastered it. Well, that
0: John Butler guy. That's yeah. Yeah. Oh
1: my goodness. That it, it's such a sight to behold. It, it is absolutely amazing.
0: Well, I, uh, I, I love listening to uh, Jack Johnson as a kid growing up. I don't know if you know Jack Johnson. Mm-mm. He's a guitar player, um, Hawaii guy. And he. Uh, when you talk, about, you talk about bar chords and yeah. slapping, it's like his forte. So he's very big on bar chording, and he does a lot of like – he'll do like yeah. slap, but it'll almost be like a like a rhythmic kind of yeah. like you hit, and you stop it, you hit, and you stop. But like you pluck, and then you, it's like a quick stop. And I remember when I was playing a lot back in, I was in college, um, that was something that I, I – learned how to do. And then you look at other ones like John Mayer, who, you know, people love him or hate him, but that guy is fantastic yeah, at playing he's... guitar. And, and the cool thing is when you see his like guitar theory, he just knows guitar. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, the, I mean, he knows the science behind a guitar. Right? And like, and of course he's, he's a, he's a character, but he also plays right now with the grateful dead, who I love lifts in the grateful dead growing up. Um, so do, but like, yeah, like, but, uh, so now he's been p- playing with them and he's just, he's just a very good guitar player, but I like, like, listening to those guys and uh drummer who's your all-time favorite drummer
1: i don't think i have one actually like i all of the people that i've learned from were all the people that i've admired have been people that are in the same in the same kind of realm or scope um there i have i don't know i don't know the names of drummers like i'll see there's no wait no there is one there is there is one there's this german guy i cannot remember his name for the life of me right now um he's based out of germany he's actually just came out of uh, uh just came out with his own line of snares and the quality of them are is absolutely fantastic um i fo- i actually follow him on instagram because he he's the only german i follow his skill gay uh, listen galen i'm about to be like bro i'm just calling Mind you bro <laughs> quote Jimmy yeah uh oh my goodness he is phenomenal I have not seen sticks do what this man does with them he is a legitimate master um, in styles and rhythm in incorporating uh different uh cultures and in, in in formulating his music his music it, it's like he needs no other music for you to hear the beauty and the art that he creates it's Fantastic.
0: What did they say? Like, uh, music's like the universal language. Oh yeah. Because I, I think that no matter where you go, and I had a, one of my buddies, I graduated school with him uh, years ago, and I, he's been on the podcast a few times. And he was traveling. Um, he was going to travel the world in 2020. Set out. Uh. I, I had him on in late 19, and he was like, and he left. He was ready to go. And about three months in, it was like world shut down, and he actually had to come home. Mm-hmm. And he started his leg going south. So he went down into South America. Gotcha. And he spent a lot of time in uh, Argentina mm-hmm. and he said the music is incredible. And he learned how to salsa dance. Come on. And, yeah. And that was like his thing. He like, I learned, I mean, kid, I grew up a mile away from my house. Like, I'm like, we have no salsa dance. <laughs> up here. He went down <laughs> and learned salsa dance and he was learning Spanish. Yeah. And he said, he goes, the there's music everywhere. Mm-hmm. He goes, you go out at night and it's not like you, you know, you go to some place and people talk like Nashville has music and certain places have music. he goes, there's music everywhere. There's music on the streets. There's music in the bars. There's music in the restaurant. There's music from some guy up on the balcony. He goes, there's just people playing music. Mm -hmm. And he goes, and the crazy thing is when you're going, you don't need to know Spanish or Portuguese or, or whatever. It's like, you can just appreciate the music and it's like, you can, and I think that's one of the cool things is you can watch somebody not be able to converse with them like physically, like by talking Mm -hmm. or orally, but you can sit there and listen to what they're playing. And it just like, it's mesmerizing or Absolutely. therapeutic. And it's like, this is incredible. Cause I think it's kind of like the, uh, you can just appreciate how good they are and you can appreciate the, the time and the focus and the, and the, the energy they've yep. put into learning that craft. And it, that's, it's powerful. Like it, it is. It music's re- cool.
1: It really is. And it's one of those, uh, one of those, um, avenues or, or, what channels or whatever you want to call it that allows for the experience of one to be shared with another without conveying the same thing. Like you and I can listen to the same piece of music and it will hit and target different areas for us without a word having to be spoken. Mm -hmm. And so it creates an appreciation from your perspective and it creates an appreciation from my perspective. Um, Music has the ability to tell a story that like, otherwise wouldn't you add dimensions to stories it 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 flavors you know day-to-day life it is the its Oh, i'll there'll be some music that i'm just like all right i need a beat let's go and it, it takes it it sets the form it's beautiful because it's a canvas like i literally like there's what 12 uh a b c d e f g yeah there's like um 12 different scales or what whatever right but you can create infinite amounts of music for anything and it, it's i love it because it doesn't restrict your ingenuity or your creativity
0: i saw a th- i saw a video the other day um and this guy had like a channel on or something and he went on to I think it was like Fiverr. It was one of those like freelance things that you can pay for people to do it. So yeah. what he did was, have you ever seen the people that play like piano, but then they have almost like a, a Guitar Hero screen above it and they yeah. see the keys uh-huh. where you can see like what they're hitting and it's, I don't know what the program is, but it's incredible. So he had, um, it was something by Beethoven. I don't know, one of Beethoven's like classic songs yeah. and one where if I played you the classic, you'd be like, yeah, I know exactly what, 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 uh, I've heard that song before. So he had like, I don't know, say seven different people that tried to recreate this. And what he did is he basically wanted to make them put their own spin on it. Yeah. And it was at different price points. So He was trying to see like which price point, the $10 guy, the $100 guy, the $280 guy, like whatever, whoever was doing it, you just wanted to compare like how good these people were at different price points. And yeah. I think the highest would have been 500 bucks. And they all took the same song and none of them sounded the same. And it was, and what they did was they had taken Beethoven, who was, I mean, arguably like world renowned still Mm -hmm. to this day. And they took something that was, it maybe still is considered very advanced. I'm sure it is. But then I'm sure as natural things happen in human evolution, we've advanced that even more. Because he's kind of like the shoulder that you stand on for more future composers. So these people who were doing this were taking the, the the basically the the general the song, the premise, the heart of that composition, and they were adding their like mm-hmm. mashup, like remix, everything on this thing. And you're listening to this? And it absolutely blew your mind like, oh my God, this is
1: incredible. Yep.
0: And it was so cool that they could all take this one piece and I don't know where these people were from. They're probably all over the world, to be honest. And they all submitted all this work off this one song and it blew your mind how many you talk about different Variations they could put on this mm-hmm. song where it's infinite. It's infinite, and and like they're doing the music and their hands are going down. you you're watching on the screen and they're going and they're going down and up and but they're they're keeping that same kind of rhythm, but they're putting all this like overlaying all this cool music on top of it. And you're like this is it's fantastic,
1: f- absolutely.
0: And it was a lot of synthesizers and they just but they elevated what you would have heard probably when it was Beethoven 1700s maybe yeah like 1600s 1700s 1800s probably 1700s and just elevated that more.
1: It was very cool like hey you took a harpsichord and then just added some stuff blew it was my mind beautiful
0: yeah i i I have a very i appreciate music very much because people that do it, it it's just one of those things it's like a skill you're like that is incredible especially when people can sing and play i'm like oh like that's that's and you do both while you yeah. play and sing yeah yeah that's incredible i think that's neat thank you um all right fran um this was very cool you are you you are pretty incredible. Everything you've said and done and talked about, I just like I said, you're 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 a you're a cool individual for Thank sure. Thank you. And Thank uh you. so are you. Oh, I appreciate that. I I I I'm going to give the nod to you on this. But yeah, I appreciate the compliment. <laughs> I appreciate the compliment. I'm sure most people listening be like, "No, Fran, you're definitely better." Yeah. But that's okay. We 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 had a good conversation, but um so Fran, if anybody I guess wants to I don't know if people can reach out to you if you work on the co- uh, campus. I'm assuming you're yeah. more for the students.
1: Um I'm I,
0: You seem like an approachable person yeah. though. So if somebody has questions or thinks that Fran can bring some value to your life How can they get a hold of you?
1: Um, my email address is FFRAN005 at plattsburg.edu um, Or Francine uh, Francine Francis at Com. So um, If they want to get a hold of me, you got there. You go. I I'm be I'll I'll put this out there. I do not accept a uh, Facebook friend request like that. So if I don't know you and you like, hey, hey, let me yeah. add you. <laughs> hey, we talk about pillars. That's a good pillar to have. Yeah, in life. that yeah. boundary. Listen, if I can leave y'all with anything, boundaries are beautiful. Boundaries are beautiful. They set the parameter for what you allow people to have access to, and that is a boundary for me. If I don't know you and you request me, you gonna stay. In and, that in in that pending area, yeah. that's good. That's,
0: so. good. that's good. No, so, uh, Fran, this was incredible. I, I'm glad I, I our past connected. I, I'll have to uh, say thank you to Whitney for for uh, bringing us together. But um, keep doing what you're doing. Keep thank keep you. that attitude. I think, like I said, you're you're a breath of fresh breath breath of fresh air. Um, and I'm very happy you decided to uh, stay. Up in upstate New York in the cold with the foliage, so we got that for you. hopefully more basicness for you. For I feel like you're you're like on both ends. You got like a lot of really cool things going on, and then you got the basic pumpkin spice latte. But listen, but I think that 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 polishes you, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and right now it's a peppermint mocha. Let's go. We there you just, go. You know, tis you, the season. There it is. Tis the season.
0: So, all right, that is it. Episode one eighty of the Gail and Trombley Show. We're out. Thanks for listening to the Gail and Trombley Show.